This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. Well, how are you going with your mask? We're barely into this, and I am already deeply frustrated. It makes my face hot, my glasses steam up, it itches like anything. I think I can take this off to preach to you today because I want to talk about a theme that's on all of our hearts and all of our minds. How do we keep going through these challenges? How do we persevere? I was deeply, deeply encouraged this week by one of my favorite pastors, preachers, and authors. His name is James. And in a letter that he wrote to me 2,000 years ago, he gave me some incredible encouragement. And he speaks about this wonderful joy of walking in uh, perseverance. I'd like to invite you to listen to some words from his letter. G'day friends, today's reading is from James 1, 1 to 8 and 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person did not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Perseverance. It is the pathway that God calls us to as he leads us and grows us. Did you hear James's incredible words? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Perseverance in the things of God can grow you up, fill you up, and you won't lack a thing. This amazing theme of perseverance is worth some reflection today. And I'd like to talk about what it is and then how do we embrace it? How can we walk through the challenges of this season? And it isn't just COVID-19. It's all the realities of our lives made difficult through social isolation and the challenges that we face in this time. What does it mean for us to persevere? Recently, as we've gone through some changes and then changes again, I have had that sinking, frustrating feeling of not making any progress, not not advancing. And it can be debilitating. It can cause you to start to get a little depressed, to get... Um, you know, a little, uh, just just un- uncertain about how to keep going forward. And sometimes perseverance can feel to me uh, like rolling a stone up a hill and doing it again 
and again. Do you know the story of Sisyphus? Sisyphus is a Greek mythological king. He was the king of Corinth in Greek mythology. And Sisyphus was a trickster. He played tricks on his people. He played tricks on the gods. And so the gods came to punish him and they sentenced him to a, a terrible, a perpetual experience at the, in the depths of Hades. His sentence was to roll a boulder up a hill until it reached the top, and as soon as the boulder reached the top, it would be at the bottom of the hill again. And he'd have to go back down, roll it up again, and do this for eternity. Some of the experiences that we've had in the last few weeks feel a bit like that. It feels a little bit like advancing something only to see it roll back, investing in something only to see it come apart. And if, perse if perseverance is simply rolling the boulder up, letting it roll down, and doing this again and again and again forever, count me out. I, I, th th that is depressing and exhausting. Uh, perseverance is not the same as fatalism. Perseverance is not a resignation to uh, hopeless circumstances. Perseverance, as Pastor James describes it, is an experience in which our lives are moving towards something that's wonderful. Let perseverance do its work, says James. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Perseverance is not Sisyphus. Perseverance is Fabergé. Janet and I watched a documentary while we have been uh, enjoying our tea at home in the evening, and we've been uh, trying to chase and learn interesting things. And we found this documentary on uh, Carl Fabergé. You may have heard of the Fabergé eggs. Carl Fabergé was a jeweler in uh, St. Petersburg during the time of the Russian Tsars, late 1800s, early 1900s, he was a jeweler to the royal family. And one of the things that he did, for which he has become famous, he made these incredible jewel ornaments as Christmas gifts for the royal family. He made his first one in 1885. And some 69 years in a row, he, he made these, these Fabergé eggs. They are the most glamorous and ornate and beautiful pieces of uh, decoration that you've ever laid eyes on. And uh, more than 50 of these have survived uh, until today. Uh, these eggs, they, they open up, they come apart. There's a surprise on the inside. They're often held in fancy ornamented stands. They're gold and silver and crystal and jewels and the finest detailed work. They're absolutely exquisite. They are jewels fit for a king. Now, when James writes about perseverance, he's not describing an experience of rolling a stone up the hill only to do it again. He's describing an experience uh, more like the preparation of a beautiful jewel fit for a king. Did you notice the way James invites us to embrace this this path of perseverance. He doesn't exhort us in a kind of commanding way. He doesn't say, persevere, people, come on. He says, let perseverance finish its work. 
Let the jeweler do her work. Let, let the things that are in your path be, be tools in the hands of a loving God to actually tool something beautiful in your life. A Fabergé egg is a very, very costly and beautiful gift and a rare gift. And when James pictures what we are and who we are as human beings, he doesn't picture a stone that needs to be rolled about. It's as if he's talking about a Fabergé egg. Your life, my life, is a jewel to be fired and refined and and made into something that is just glorious to be given to God himself. So, says James, let let perseverance finish its work. Don't don't collapse under the the challenge. Stay in the race. Uh, Anybody who's run a marathon knows about the wall. Anybody who's done a a long-term project knows about the collapse of creativity and the collapse of momentum partway through that project. We all know what it is for things to fall flat. And the, the, the longer the journey and the more uncertain the dynamics, the harder it is to persevere. Now, James is writing his letter to churches, which he describes as the scattered people of God. He describes them as the scattered tribes of Israel in all of the nations. And uh, he is thinking about his churches, his people, in exile, awaiting God to call them back, as he encourages his believers who are going through difficult times. He uses the very same metaphor that we're using here uh, in our teaching series, Uh, the people of God exiled in Babylon, waiting for God to bring them home, and, and walking with patience through this season. And James says to, to these scattered churches, live, uh, live with perseverance, not a resignation, not a, not a, not a resignation to, to a fatalism, but stay in the race. Position yourself under the pressure. Don't collapse. Don't try to run away. Stay where God is putting us and let perseverance finish its work. So that's what perseverance is. It is, it is this, this jeweler at work on our lives, creating a Fabergé egg. Let's talk for just a moment on about how to embrace this pathway of perseverance. How, how do we do this practically? What does it mean for us to choose perseverance? I can think of no better example from our exile story that we're exploring in Babylon than the person of Daniel. Daniel was taken off probably in his 20s, maybe his late teens, in a band of youth taken to Babylon where he was uh, put into service uh, for the purposes of the Babylonian political empire. Uh, As a, a part of the troop that was carried off, they were young, they were strong, Uh, And so he was selected with a number of others to be specially treated, if you will, and uh, put into uh, service. And so they found in Daniel and his his three mates, people who uh, could learn quickly and pick up the Babylonian traditions and serve uh, in significant ways. Now, what's interesting about Daniel is he spent his entire adult life in Babylon. 
You may recall a couple of weeks ago that when the exile occurred, they learned very quickly that they would be there for 70 years. Well, Daniel spent that whole time in Babylon. He saw the change of uh, an empire as the Babylonians wilted and the Persians uh, became the strong empire. He saw the change of a king as Nebuchadnezzar uh, was defeated and, and uh, Darius became the new king appointed by the Persians. Over those 70 years, he saw so many things. And there's a story at the beginning of his life and at the end of his life that helps us to think about perseverance. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you spend your whole life in exile and, and knowing that one day the people will return to Jerusalem, but you're waiting, 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 and may not return. We're, we're in, a, in a situation of waiting, but thanks be to God, uh, it, it won't be our whole lifetimes. Uh, we, we'll, we'll learn and we'll grow and we'll go forward to a new place. But here's a man who can teach us something about perseverance because he spent his whole lifetime in this exiled position. Now, the story at the beginning of his life is a story about food, and the story at the end of his life is a story about prayer. Daniel had some commitments around how he would obey God in terms of his food habits and, and the, the food laws of Israel, and how he would practice his spirituality and engage with the Lord whom he loved as he held his heart open toward Jerusalem, but served the community where God had placed him, served the Babylonians, and served the well-being of many, many people. The story at the beginning of his life. They identified him and three of his friends as really fit and able young people whom they could mold into something useful for the Babylonian Empire. And so they were taken into a special program, special training program. They were to be fed the finest food from the king's table, the meat and wine, best available. And Daniel, because of his intense desire to obey God, to practice uh, health laws as he received them from his Hebrew heritage, said no to these uh, attractive and tempting options. He said, he said I, I would rather obey God's ways. He didn't want the things that were on offer, some of which must have been offensive to his Jewish commitments. And the, the person who was overseeing Daniel said, well, I can't change this. This is like orders from the king directly. I, I, I'll get into trouble. And if I don't feed you like really well, like all these other guys, you'll, you'll be a skinny wretch at the end of this test and I'll be in trouble. And Daniel says, how about we do this? How about we do a test? You feed me vegetables, good healthy vegetables and water, and give us a 10 day, 10 day test and then come and see. And I, I guarantee you we'll be in better shape than the other, the other fellows who are here with us in the test program. That's exactly what happened. And Daniel's Daniel's confidence in God actually resulted in everybody in that whole cohort receiving the better food, receiving the better health treatment, and emerging stronger and more able because of it. And God was with Daniel. Daniel and his friends were able to learn and excel, and he served the nation of Babylon. And we see right there at the beginning a very simple, practical thing. How do you persevere? You need some simple, sensible, godly habits that you will repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Perseverance is about doing the right things in small measure again and again and again and again. No matter what emerges to, to, to cause us to question, th th these are the simple right things to do.
many of those things you and I are practicing and, and, and we need to keep at it. You know, go for the walk, have the exercise, keep, keep sleep habits that are healthy, eat food that's healthy, think thoughts that are healthy, engage with those who are around you in, in healthy ways. You know, lots of short-term, quick, uh, sensible habits. The story at the end of Daniel's life is fascinating because it's not about food, it's about spirituality and has to do with his prayer life. And as Daniel gained influence in Babylon, he became a threat to other people around him. Uh, the new king, Darius, appointed 120 advisors to help him lead the nation. They called them satraps. And they divided that 120 into three groups and put administrators over each of those groups. Daniel was one of the administrators. And he was so good at his job that Darius had begun to notice and was making it plain that he intended to put Daniel in charge of everybody. Well, this created all kinds of jealousies. And so the other administrators and numbers of the satraps, they formed a plan to try and get rid of Daniel, but they couldn't find any ways to, um, to confront him or to challenge him or to find him doing the wrong thing by the laws of the land. So they changed the laws. They made up a law very specifically to try and get at Daniel. And that law was, you can't pray. You can't pray to anyone except the king. And they took this law to the vain king who said, yeah, that's a good idea. Everybody should, for one month should just pray to me. Don't pray to any other gods or to any human beings. Just pray to me. And as soon as that law was engaged, it became clear why they were doing this. The king himself was brokenhearted because he liked Daniel. But here was a ploy to, to actually destroy Daniel's future and to destroy him as a person. That happened because of Daniel's faithful habit, and it was Daniel's faithful habit that secured his well-being in the presence of God and became a witness to everybody around them. You see, Daniel prayed three times a day. He had a window in his flat that he could open in the direction of Jerusalem, and three times a day he would open his window. He would pray to God. He would open his heart to Jerusalem. He would open his heart to God's purposes. He would anchor that hope. Someday we are going home to Jerusalem. Even at age 90, if he came at 20 years old and at 70 years on, he's a 90-year-old man when this story unfolds. And as soon as he heard about this new law, you can't pray, he went home, he opened his window, he knelt as he had always done, and he prayed to God. And so they came and they arrested him. And you know this story. They put him into a den with some lions and covered over the den and sealed it with the king's signature so that, so that Daniel's situation could not change, except that God was involved in this amazing event. And Daniel's circumstance was kept safe. The lions didn't touch him. There was no wound on his body when they drew him up out of the lion's den. And the king ends that chapter of scripture, Daniel chapter six, with a psalm of praise to the living God. Here we see a 90-year-old man who says, put me in the lion's den if that's what you have to do, but I will persevere, I will be faithful, I will walk with God. Where does this, this confidence, this steadfastness come from? Well, Daniel was a man who, when he was young and when he was senior, had habits 
simple practices, pathways of obedience to God that he just repeated again and again and again. He would spend time in prayer consistently, spend time talking with God and aligning his heart and his vision and his aspirations with the purposes of God. This is not an easy season for us, and things like masks are going to frustrate us and the rules around who we can visit and when, but it's no time to collapse under the pressure. It's no time to to, uh, try to sidestep the experiences that we are in the midst of. In fact, Pastor uh, James would say to us today, let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance, this jeweler, work in your life, in my life, in our lives, in our church, to fashion that which is beautiful for God. So how do we do this? How do we stay under the, fa- under, under the fire? How do we remain in the furnace? How do we stay in the race when it gets hard? It's about many little choices, many little faithful godly choices that we just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Some of these are in your life already. Why not take some time and identify them and anchor those choices and put some new ones in there as well? Do you have habits of sitting with God and letting his truths touch you and steer you? Do you have habits of of expressing love and forgiveness to the people who are with you in your family and deepening those experiences of love and connection? Do you have have habits that are healthy in terms of exercise and food and sleep? All of these things, we see them in Daniel's life and they sustained him. Let perseverance finish her work. Persevering in the simple, true things of God. It can grow you up to maturity. It can fill you up to completeness and you won't lack a thing. Let's together, encouraging each other, persevere in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen.